Did you watch the episodes? I did. Yes. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. It's good because otherwise it'd be hard to talk about the win it. It would, yeah. It'd be trucker conversation all episode long. <laughs> all right. Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Tap Calf Transmissions. I am your host for this week once again, Corey, joined as always by my effective co-host, Justin Eckhart's Ladder. How are you doing this week? I'm good. I'm good. Um, I'm preparing. I'm preparing for you to jump on me. I, I hear you've got something waiting in the wings to uh, to hit me with. Well, so just, what's the what's I'm the tagline of this I'm... podcast that that I, I believe was coined by yourself and uh, enforced by yourself to the point that I put it on our on our little stream layout here. Oh shit! The only Star Wars podcast. Yeah. So uh, so what's what's this? What, what's this here? What 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 am I looking at there? My eyes aren't working. Oh, I'm I, sorry. I think I don't. I think you All know. Right, so I was on our dear friend uh, Alex Star Wars Explained Damon's podcast. Um, you know he's just starting out. I want really wanted to help him right? out. Okay. He's tr he's trying his best. He's trying to emulate what we've got going on here. Okay. Um, and really, I wanted why I went on his podcast is because. I wanted to see whether they had any chance of right. rivaling uh, our reach. You cut off the viewer count, right? Yeah, okay, you did. <laughs> <laughs> Coming close to our reach and our exclusivity as the only Star Wars podcast, and I just don't think they're going to make it. Right, so. I, I I can get that. Like we all we all like Alex here, but Mark. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know about that. Okay. Had I known, it's fine. yeah, it's fine. Fine. No. Well, tonight we're going to be talking about the Book of Boba Fett episodes four and five. So, uh, Book of Boba Fett and some of the Mandalorian, I guess, as well as uh, I think we're going to announce our plans for the for leading up to the hundredth episode, which is coming up pretty soon. So mm -hmm. we got yeah, it guys, roughly mapped you're gonna out. You're going to want to. All I'm going to say is you're going to want to listen. You'll be in a prime position to get your reading ready if you. Uh... If you listen to this and you can plan out your entire uh, plan out your entire next few weeks. Yeah, I, I think uh, the 100th episode should be around March 17th. So we, we have some plans for my birthday, apparently. But oh, yeah, it could be it could be delayed by an episode or two or a week or two, depending on if we miss an episode in there. But sometimes we take a week off. Next week, we're going to be starting Vision of the Future or we're going to be doing the entirety of Vision of the Future. Specter of the Past, and then Vision of the Future comes after that. So it's but don't we have a break between yeah. that? So it's Specter yeah. of the Past, Book of Boba Fett, Vision of the Future. Then we'll probably throw in uh, a what? What's it called? Jedi a Prince. Shorter book. Jedi, Jedi Prince. Prince. That's what. That's what it is. Then we're gonna do Survivor's Quest, and then uh, either more Jedi Prince to finish it off, or if there's like any shows going on at the time or something else to talk about. We'll do that and then we'll have book 100 which if you if you know the order of your legends books you, you might be able to guess what that's going to be yeah anyone want to guess chat no don't don't Victor don't Prime, no don't, oh, one, don't you spoil it book one of the yuzhan vong conflict yep it's going to um, take us four years to get through all 19 books but we're starting it off uh mm -hmm. we are in uh in talks with uh, Ilkin of Kings and Generals agent to get him on the podcast. He's going to be a he's a difficult one to to 
to negotiate yeah. into the podcast, but uh, I, I yeah. think I think we got a good shot. Yeah, uh, he's Canadian, so we're bribing him with Tim Hortons. Yeah, and uh, Tim Hortons and hockey cards. He is a hockey fan, actually. We've been anytime there's like big hockey news, I'll be like, or, or like I'll a big tweet, I'll be like responding to it, and I'll be like, oh look, it's Elkin. Just <laughs> <laughs> funny. Yeah. So. So yeah, we'll, we can talk about the, uh, well, not quite the Stanley Cup, but we'll be talking about the playoff picture at the same time in March. So that'll be fun. That's exciting because we, we mm-hmm. need to find more ways to get off topic. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing that you would normally want to talk about that I just know nothing about. So it's the one thing that saves this podcast from being a hockey podcast. And that restriction will just be absolutely gone. So <laughs> you can look forward to that. But... What did what were your thoughts so far on uh, on what we saw in episode four and five on the actual Boba Fett episode and then in uh, episode five? Honestly, with I had Mando to back. pull up episode episode four to kind of remind myself of what happened. Not that it was a bad episode; it was just that was entirely flashback, except for except for like the last five minutes with Black Chrysanthemum ripping yeah. ripping the arm off. I, I actually liked it. Um, I. Like some people were complaining. I don't know. I thought it was a good episode. How did you feel like online reaction was? Because I, I think people were more kind of complaining about episode three than were yeah. pretty happy with episode four. Um, had some good action. The Slave One stuff was great. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I I liked it. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed episode four. It and two were my... Uh, I think, yeah, those were probably my favorite episodes so far. Two is definitely but, my favorite, yeah. Yeah, like the as standalone episodes, both of them, both four and five, I really liked. But like, especially getting this close to the end of the series, having so much of the flashback mm-hmm. and then having a full episode that just didn't have uh, Boba in it at all is mm-hmm. a little bit like, I, I'm wondering what the overarching plot of the show can even be at this point, because it's not super established what he's going to be trying to to get done. Like, is... Is the the plot just like oh he if he can take out the t- the pikes then he's he's got his position secured because it seems like that would be the only thing that's kind of reasonable to do in two episodes potentially mm-hmm. yeah no I definitely um, I definitely see what you mean there I've kind of been wondering about that too just kind of how are they going to manage things um, with two episodes left. And yeah, I'm not sure. That's kind of my biggest question mark as well. Um, like, I have no problem with small scale either. Like, I'm not upset that we haven't gotten Crimson Dawn or Kira yeah. or like whoever else in. But I'm just kind of wondering how are they going to tell a compelling story for the last two episodes and also presumably tie us in for whatever comes next, whether it's the Book of Boba Fett season two or I guess Mando season three. Yeah, do you expect that they'll they do a season two of Book of Boba Fett specifically after this, or is it kind of going to be tying Mando and Boba's storylines together more, and then any Boba Fett stuff is going to be part of Mando? Yeah, I do still expect they're going to do a book of season, or sorry, a book of Boba Fett season two, just because they set, they spent so much time establishing his backstory. Like, I guess you could say that they're just doing that because he's going to be a character that appears frequently in the Mandalorian. But I mean, they spent over half of the season so far, at least before episode five, over half of the season, uh, fleshing out his backstory, showing kind of how he's changed. And to me, that's something that you do for a character who, um, 
who's going to be kind of a big presence moving forward. Yeah. What are your thoughts, though? I, I could see it going either way. Like, it, it's almost like it, it could be its own standalone thing, or it could mm-hmm. just be a necessary secondary story to kind of have Boba and Mando split up for a bit and then come together and do whatever new Mando stuff they need to do, where maybe Boba mm-hmm. shows up and relatively regularly in upcoming episodes of the Mandalorian and mm-hmm. fight like, because it, it's it, just like the shows were always very tied together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, it's just like the Mandalorian is always going to be didn't show. And like yeah. the character development in that show is going to be his. Um, like I, I just don't think if, if Boba is going to be mostly a Mando side character that, there's any there's a whole lot else that there's room for for his character um unless like they decide to go that he becomes mandalore root um and i mean they did say that the uh that the rising of the mandalorians will be heralded by the mythosaur that is boba fett's sigil or mm-hmm. is, but i don't i i don't think that's what the show i don't think that's what they have planned for him i do think that uh i i think that they want to have shows like this that are reliable, like the Bad Batch, um, that kind of are a stable presence until, like, the big boys are going. So, like, this show is not The Mandalorian in terms of popularity, um, at least I'm imagining, or really a notoriety. So I I just think it's good that they have something like this for Star Wars fans that they can kind of run without it having to be the big kind of the big blockbuster event that usually comes in December. But the the focus on the backstory almost makes me think it's more in that direction of having this be where just Boba gets his backstory so that they don't have mm-hmm. to focus in, on him if he's a character in uh, in the Mandalorian going forward rather mm-hmm. than continuing it in his own. Like they they could definitely be setting up for uh, this is just season one of a longer arc, which mm-hmm. would uh, which would definitely solve some of the issues of like how are they going to resolve this story. Uh, because I, I'm still not entirely clear on what this story actually is. But if they were going that direction where they want to be able to tell Boba's story while still having him be primarily just as a, a series regular in Mandalorian, then having this six or seven episodes where they can show where he's coming from and kind of set up his motivations, then I, th- mm. I think that could work either way. And maybe it'll change depending on reception or they were possibly open to doing it either way. Who knows? Yeah. The only thing I would say, I, I think that that's a decent point. The only thing I would say is I don't necessarily know if you need Boba Fett's backstory, if he's going to be the the standing character, you know? Like, we sort of know he survived the Sarlacc, and, but I feel like that's something that you can... That if they had wanted to, they could have included the 10-minute snippet of when he sees Boba Fett on, um, on Tython. Yeah. You know what I mean? But... Yeah, I, I could I can definitely see it either way. I really enjoy the show. I like the smaller scale. Um, I'm glad that there's one show that hasn't had the good guys trying to you know kill a Death Star yeah. or meet Luke Skywalker or whatever. Not to say that that's not going to happen. Who knows? But um, but yeah, I I really like the show. I enjoy like I'm I'm just getting a kick out of like seeing all of the Return of the Jedi stuff like. Seeing Max Rebo is cool. Not just that though, but like also, just it's felt very Star Warsy to me mm-hmm. in like a, a Return of the Jedi way, which I know is kind of nebulous, but I I didn't really get that feeling with Mando season two especially. Right. So yeah, 
Yeah, I, I don't necessarily mean any of it in a like why isn't the story bigger kind of way because I definitely enjoy no, I know the smaller yeah. story as well. It's just I, sure. it's been so hard so far to know what that small story is even because mm-hmm. yeah, it totally. is so focused on the on the flashbacks, but then the elements of the flashbacks that you can kind of uh, say, oh, maybe this is going to have a bigger impact going forward, like bigger impact just on setting up Bova's motivations ends up mm. taking up a lot of the show and then we have so little to figure out what his motivations are and then the Tuscans die. So they kind of get taken out of the picture there and then just don't get mentioned. So Yeah, I, you're right. I think what they really would have benefited from is something like The Bad Batch where they had that sort of double long season opener. Mm-hmm. Um, it would have been nice to have something like that for the Mandal- or for Book of Boba Fett. They did have a couple of longer episodes. Like this one was 50 minutes not really Boba Fett related. And I think the second one was 50 minutes. And I think had they had even just one more episode that length and knocked out more of the past stuff then yeah. or, or tacked on an extra episode to the end, I think maybe that could have benefited the pacing a little bit. Yeah. Like something you guys were talking about on the book report was, uh, or the book report being the show that Star Wars Explained did that you were on uh, for anyone who is unfamiliar with it. But uh, you guys were talking about the possibility that this chapter five might have been put in after the fact mm. as kind of explaining where Mando has been so that, you know, when you get into uh, his return in Book of Boba Fett. But I, I think with the six episode rumors, wasn't one of the other possibilities that like what we got as episodes one and two were potentially originally going to be one longer episode? Mm, I might have heard that as well. Yeah, that's definitely possible. Um yeah, the more I think about it from a practical standpoint, I'm not sure if it's really possible to just insert an episode like that. Um, I mean, it could have been like the last thing they made or something, or it could have been originally outside the scope of the story they were going to tell. Or maybe they just didn't plan to have Mandalorian's backstory. But yeah, I, I don't I don't really know whether that's true or not. Uh, I do think it's probably more likely that they did do a split like, you're, like you suggested. Yeah, that'd probably be what I lean towards, because it, it just seems like, uh, well, that, well, telling, oh, what did mando do between seasons two and three would fit it just or would fit Mm -hmm. as the start of season three it kind of because he's going the next thing he's doing is working with or for boba it'd be really hard to have season Mm -hmm. three start and have it be like one episode this was the mid period then he goes to work for boba at the end of it and then he comes back in episode two and he's already done the rest of book of boba fett so i think it'd be a bit harder to to have slid slided in that way even aside from production issues Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure how they're going to do it though because Boba Fett's not, or sorry um, Din Djarin's not sticking around right like he's off to go see Grogu now isn't he yeah uh, I'm not sure if that's going to be a okay I'll be back in five minutes but like that, that's got to be a, a big part of season three is him seeing Grogu for the first time so is yeah. he even going to be around for that's what I'm wondering like is he going to be in the show is he just going to show up in the last episode are we going to follow him like would you be surprised if if we follow Dinjara next episode for half the episode or more? I mean, if what he's doing is going to see Grogu, there's no way they come back with ep- with season three of Mando's like, oh yeah, I've already seen Grogu or Grogu's back with me because that'd just mm-hmm. be like, okay, well, why wasn't this but in this show? I honestly don't know if they're treating the shows as separate, honestly, like, and not just for this, but yeah. like, I think that might be something, especially when we get to like more live act, whether Range of the New Republic happens in Ahsoka, like... I kind of wonder whether they're assuming that anyone who wants to really get into these is going to just watch them all. Because, yeah. like, they kind of do that with the MCU a little bit, I guess. 
Yeah, I think even in that context, Book of Boba Fett and Mando were seen and intended as being more connected than even uh, what Ahsoka mm. will be or any of the other ones like that that do have even some other level of overlap because like Ahsoka was obviously in season two of Mando. But mm. like there was all the questions at the end of season two where people were like, okay, what is this Book of Boba Fett thing? Is this now the Mandalorian? Is this replacing the show? And I, I it does seem like it was produced primarily thought of as like an additional chapter mm-hmm. or additional book because they, they do have like the naming scheme for chapters and i, I yeah. don't know if that's going to carry over to the other shows as well it could but it does seem a lot more i linked. like the chapter naming scheme for the record yeah especially when you get into two seasons like yeah. yeah, I don't like that they named the chapter "The Return of the Mandalorian" because it makes it much yeah. harder to do YouTube stuff without being told <laughs> you're spoilers. Like it's it's on the fucking title card. There's nothing I can do. Yeah, I was like, I was a little unsure about having Mando in the thumbnail, and I looked, and like literally every other YouTuber did it, yeah. and then like did it today they had it in their promo. So I was like, whatever. Like, yeah, it was either that or literally, it was kind of funny to see the the little teaser they put together yesterday before the episode came out. It was like what can they show from the episode it was literally just the freighter landing on tatooine <laughs> they had like nothing <laughs> yeah like, i i tried to get around it with the thumbnail for this stream by like just having mando's face in the question mark so if you're looking you're just scrolling by then you're probably not going to notice it but mm-hmm. if you're spending more than three seconds looking at the thumbnail and you're going to complain about being spoiled not my problem no totally Totally. Um, all right. So, anything about episode four that really stood out to you? It started off with, uh, I guess, it kind of started off with Fennec being rescued, right? Yeah, we got the not not so much story of how she got rescued, just like it we saw Boba <laughs> stumble upon her and take her to the doctor, uh, mm-hmm. or not really a doctor per se, uh, like lo- local tattoo artist the, Jim, the local technician. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like it's the guys like. Fixing his motorcycle, then putting her stomach together. <laughs> yeah, there was actually, uh, this was spoiled, the production details for it. I don't know how much time you spend on, like, car subreddits, but this was actually posted last year on r slash just rolled into the shop. <laughs> I am familiar with that one. <laughs> yeah, except if it was just rolled into the shop, there'd be, like, I don't know, like, pop cans or something in her stomach. <laughs> no, that, that's what she left with, I think. <laughs> Yeah, she's there, actually there was, a mini fridge there was a scene where there was like blue going through her tubes then then red so i guess she's filled up with pepsi <laughs> no she's got the liquid cooling <laughs> yeah i mean kind of um that'd be pretty freaky to wake up uh imagine if you'd like spent your whole life like working on your abs like i'd be so pissed <laughs> well you never have to worry about doing it again i guess that's true yeah you died with abs who can how many, yeah. how many people can say that um there like there was a news story recently about like someone getting the first fully artificial heart i think so it was it, a pig heart wasn't it i think uh there's the i thought i thought there was an artificial one but oh maybe. really okay well i anyway. might be wrong yeah who knows pig heart artificial i did, I did hear quality. a story that they they did put a pig heart in a guy and it's like shit like that never happens because you've got to be so they had the doctor on cbc talking about it 
Um, and they're like, that only happens when someone is so desperate that like, yeah, it's like, ah, eh, what are you gonna lose? Is if he's gonna die, he's gonna die anyway. So yeah. like, put the put the put the Gamorian heart in him and hope for the best. <laughs> yeah, like uh, even the artificial part is like shit. We make breaks all the time. So I was thinking about like, oh well, if you have it, then it'll never degrade over time. But well, it, it will. But like more reliably, you can replace mm-hmm. it. But then it's like that shit just. I don't know. My phone will break occasionally, and I I'm not planning to use it for the next. My car batteries. My my car battery just died the other day. 2017 SUV. I go in the morning to start it. Nope. Says fuck off. (laughs) Yeah. So So. who wants who wants artificial shit? Me eventually, but like not for the long term. That's scary. Mm -hmm. Like she's gonna go. She was at that feast with all the crime bosses, and she was trying to eat, and just wouldn't go down. They're like, no, they're like, someone's stum- stomach rumbling. And she's like, it's a firmware update. <laughs> happens all the time. Uh, okay. <laughs> someone joined for a second. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So I liked the uh, I liked the break into Jabba's palace. That was fun as well. Uh, lots of fun droids. The, uh, the General Grievous salad making droid was a real... Uh, yeah, and I guess he was in Attack of the Clones. I never, I never saw, sp- uh, spotted him before. Well, that's actually where they got the tech to make Grievous. Like Count Dooku <laughs> trained the Salad Droid in the Jedi arts as well. <laughs> yeah, back when he was still good, he was like he really no one cut, cut the salad just like he wanted, so <laughs> he took it into his own hands. Yeah, everyone thinks those uh, those statues in the Jedi archives are uh, like the fallen Jedi. It was really just the best cooks. So that's why Dooku <laughs> was there. He was the Salad Bar guy. Uh-huh. Master Boyardee. <laughs> <laughs> he was a legend among the Jedi. <laughs> With his meat sauce colored lightsaber. Yeah, he, he fought in the Great Sith War alongside Colonel Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> Republic Colonel Sanders. <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh, <laughs> the invasion of the Calibot planet did not go well for them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Um... <laughs> I just imagine someone trying to eat, uh, what's his name again? The, uh, what was the New Republic Calibop? Gavrison? Uh, Gavrison, yeah. Like, if people come back after reading, uh, the books for next episode, that joke is going to be a lot funnier for a lot yeah, of other people. Yeah, I was going to say, we're about to, you're about to get context for that. <laughs> Don't Google it. I'll, I'll replay this clip <laughs> next week. Yeah. Those are long books, too, so we, we just... <laughs> I remind myself to get started early. There, I was thinking uh, the same thing, but then uh, Spectre is only 300 pages. Oh, okay. I'm doing audiobooks for them anyway, so yeah. I'll just... Like, they've got really good audiobooks, so... I've These are books that I've reread, actually, a couple times, and I feel like the I more really I reread them. them, the more of the Caves on Nero on that I skipped. Uh, like, the Luke and Mara chapters, about, I pretty much oh, just I skipped. I forgot from, about that yeah, part. They, get, oh. they go to the planet, I skip the Com J and Com K... And I just go straight into the the fortress. Fuck, I forgot all about that. But I'm shit. not gonna I'm not gonna do that this time. I'm I'm gonna sit through it all. We'll see how it goes. <sighs> God damn it! I think that's all in Vision of the Future, though. Yeah, so... it is. Yeah, yeah, that's the longer book. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the hefty one. Yeah. Um. Okay, so back to Mando. There were a couple nice prequel references. Uh, in so back the... to what? I'm sorry. Or sorry, Book of Boba Fett episode four. A couple of nice prequel references. We got the uh, the I don't know what the name of it is. The bunny droid um, that Boba was chasing around. That was in the Clone Wars, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the uh, the 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 thick gonk 
the four-legged gonk has also been in animated stuff before i really like him yeah and then we got uh in chapter five we obviously got uh bd which i mm-hmm. i was super happy to see that that was awesome yeah and that and that's just like that's a perfect example of something that fans will love but isn't fan service it's yeah. a droid model that we know exists um so it's like yeah and plus i'm pretty sure it's an older droid model as well because yeah. for because it's wasn't it belong to some didn't it belong to some jedi master like some old jedi master um in in uh fallen order so yeah but like even if it were a scrapyard even if it were relatively new isn't like fallen order by this point would have been like 15 20 years ago yeah so, yeah for sure i just mean it makes sense that to be on a yeah. tatooine scrapyard yeah um I'm waiting for uh, for B, for uh, BB units to start showing up at some point, mm. um, because in aftermath they're used pretty much pr- not too long after the war, and like say what you will about the uh, about the sequel trilogy, and I'm not the biggest sequel trilogy hater at all. Um, the BB-8 unit is a cool design, and I think people might forget how in love people were with BB-8 when he yeah. was really he was like Grogu for a while. All the remote control BB-8s and stuff. It was so big when I I was starting off YouTube in 2017. They flew a bunch of us down. This is where I met Alex for the first time. They flew us down to New York for a product launch for these remote control droids because yeah. they thought it was going to be the biggest thing ever. And like I was like, you know, like I don't. How many people watch my videos? And they're like, yeah, it's all good. <laughs> I don't belong I'm, here. I'm sweet. <laughs> Yeah. But what did you think about the uh, the meeting of the minds on uh, on Tatooine, where Boba got them all in, and then basically just got them to promise not to interfere, and then they leave, and he's like, "Yeah, they're they're gonna, we need to kill them anyways." Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I that was kind of a weird scene. Um, I thought he, I thought they could have done something maybe a little more interesting with all the crime bosses. Um, yeah, it's hard to know like what's gonna happen with so so little time left. Yeah. Um, I will say I'm glad they pulled in Black Chrysanthemum. Yeah, I'm surprised um, they, it took this long because, like, I thought he was going to be working mm-hmm. for Boba Fett almost like as as soon as he frees him from the cage. I was like, oh, this is, is kind of another theory for why I believe there's going to be a season um, two because they're he's collected this cast of characters: the Gamorians, yeah. the Rancor, Black Chrysanthemum. Got the Rancor trainer, Danny Trejo. Um, I just, I, I think if they all get shifted to Mando, like a lot of those characters just kind of disappear yeah. and like Black Rosantin is so cool. Like I, I didn't really read the comics. I was familiar with the character, but not like I couldn't do a video about him, but his design is just so cool yeah. and they did such a great job on him. Um, yeah. Well, I think he was actually meant to join Boba after he let him out in, uh, in the prior episode but the actor just kind of Bad really had to go to the yeah he had to go to the bathroom so it's like that's why we get the shot of him awkwardly running off then they had to write in a reason for him to be coming back the next it was a whole mm-hmm. that was all in pickups later mm-hmm. like just get him at a table he'll make it work i i had a theory which i i don't know if it's correct or not but i was thinking uh, and i'm a little less confident of it now that um now that episode uh, five was what it was. My theory was it was showing him 
beefing with the Trandoshans because Bosk was going to come in. And he was going to come in as Boba's ally, but there was going to be a conflict between him mm. and uh, Black Crescentin. Because, yes, hardcore Star Wars fans know, or even ones who've watched The Clone Wars know, that Wookiees and Trandoshans hate each other. But the average Star Wars fan has no clue. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of thought it was leading up to that, but now I'm not sure. And plus, Bosk was like Boba Fett's mentor as well for a bit during the Clone Wars, and yeah, did that? Like, did that ever actually? Was that in the released episodes? I yeah, he was like. Remember, he's got like, it's it's Bosk, uh, Boba, and Aura Singh running right, around right, together. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that'd be cool having at least some of that established. I think the if there's a boss storyline though, that that's got to be more. A second season like I, I don't know if there's enough room yeah, to set up boss that's still. that's why i feel less confident of it, confident yeah. of it now after that last episode for sure because there was already the thing about like oh the Trandoshan bosses have this part of the city or whatever so mm-hmm. uh we might just be setting up for boba letting chrysanthemum loose on them once they've made mm-hmm. it clear that they're going to go against their word and kind of side with the pikes over boba mm-hmm. yeah yeah, no, I, I think that's that's definitely a good theory as well. Um, one that's probably more likely at this point. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it's just really hard to see what we're going to get in two episodes, especially if, like, if they're recruiting Mando and Mando is leaving, does mm-hmm. what Mando's about to do become part of Mando Season 3 and then we time skip, like... At the start of next yeah. Boba Fett episode, does he like limp into the room, ripped to pieces? Like, okay, guys, I'm ready. Episode one of Mando is technically a flashback. Yeah, it, that's possible. I don't know. It's weird. I'm looking forward to it either way yeah. because you know, and that's kind of the the struggle because I I really liked episode five, but I can't say it's my favorite of the season because it like. It, I felt like it maybe took away from the season's progression as a whole, even yeah. though as a standalone, it was very good, I thought. Yeah, like personally, as someone who I'm going to be watching everything, I'm kind of fine with it. I don't really care as much what labels put on mm-hmm. it, because I like whether yep. it's called Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 9 versus uh, Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 5, like doesn't make that much of a difference to me if that's still the story they were going to be telling but i'm just trying to think of like uh i have a few friends who aren't super into everything uh but they've been watching some of the shows and one was like getting into uh book of boba fett just now and just kind of thinking like if they weren't as engaged like if they were even slightly less engaged than they are and they Mm -hmm. wanted to watch book of boba fett or if they wanted to watch mandalorian are they missing that much from not seeing the other Mm -hmm. stuff or are they turning on this episode and thinking like uh, wow, did did Boba's armor change color or something? That's funny because I I had a conversation with one of my buddies who is not really into well, he's very into Star Wars but not like any of the expanded universe stuff or anything. Just before this right. podcast, and he he didn't really have any problem with that. He was a little just confused about the timeline, especially because of the flashbacks in this show. Right. Um. So that was a little bit confusing for him. He also said he compared. A, <laughs> I don't know if this is politically incorrect, but he compared what happened to the uh, the Mando's cult to like if if uh, Halifax got nuked, but all the Mennonites out in like the uh, out in the country survived. Like just like how it's obviously they're 
different than uh, the the regular Mandalorians, I guess. Yeah, they did they say they were like banished to Concordia, or they just happened to be on Concordia? Because it seems like they're of an even more extreme sect of Death Watch almost yeah. than what you'd get out of like the other Vizslas. Yeah, right. So I'm not. I'm not even really exactly sure how, like, what happens to Death Watch. So like, yeah, I'm not sure. Because you had the like Bo Katan was originally Death Watch, which she does like her and the yes. Night Owls aren't anymore, pretty much. Mm-hmm. But like Sabine's so family was associated with the death with at least the Vizsla clan oh, yeah, and Death Watch. That's right. Yeah. But like when Maul took over, seems to have been one of the big schism points for it. Where there were the ones that thought like they needed to support Maul as like as the rightful leader of Death Watch or the Mandalorians or whatever, versus mm-hmm. the ones that kind of went Bo-Katan's way and left it. So did it all kind of just boil down to the ones that were left? Mostly just got out of it entirely, and the uh, children of the Watch that like Din's part of, did they come mm-hmm. from like an even more extreme hardliner group than the one who's who would have stuck with Maul? But, yeah. I gotta be honest, like, even during the Clone Wars, I found the Mandalorian politics to be, like, especially boring. Like, I don't know. I don't know why. It just... I, for one, I guess I never really had very much interest in Mandalorians. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, especially when Clone Wars got really into Mando stuff, it was just like, eh, whatever. I think this has done a bit more to kind of make it interesting to me, but it's kind of just... I just see it as, like, okay, he's, like, super conservative uh like probably old mando beliefs and then there's the mainliners i guess so what was your take on uh on the interaction there when he's when they're in the duel and she asks if they've ever taken his helmet off did you get the sense that he uh that he wanted to atone for what he did because they were like he was trying to find some way to stick around or because he actually regretted what he did no, I definitely don't think he did regret what he did. And this is something I talked about a bit on Alex's podcast, or sorry, his book club wannabe podcast thing. Um, so I saw some people saying that this episode undid, or episode five specifically, undid a lot of the Mandalorian's uh, like progress because we have seen him sort of break through his conditioning. First, we learn that he does have this conditioning. Then we see him sort of break through it. Um, and I don't think that's really the point at all. For me, it feels like he's kind of without a purpose now that he's lost his kid. Right. Um, that's why I think some people are joking as like the divorced dad thing, but it's, it, it is true. Like, you know, you, you lose your kid, like you got to find a new identity. And I read that as he's going to what's comfortable, but he's ultimately kind of learning pretty damn quickly that, uh, yeah, it's like, he, it's not him anymore. Like he can't pretend that like he didn't want to see his child and take his helmet off. Like, he struggled with that as early as, like, episode two or three, or episode four, I guess, of season one when he's, when he meets the widow. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I don't, I don't think he's, I think he wants to, to find that comfort zone and, like, something he's familiar with, but I think he kind of knows that he doesn't belong there anymore. Yeah, like, it, these are the people who rescued him before. Character growth doesn't mean, like, you get to this one point and then nothing from before has any impact on you anymore. These were his family for so long. They even helped him with the stuff with Grogu. So he's, he's yeah. torn on like wanting to be part of that and knowing who these people are finding a place to fit in versus all these other experiences he's having where 
not only is he learning the rest of the galaxy obviously doesn't work how the Mandalorians do, but not all Mandalorians work how his Mandalorians do. Between mm-hmm. Bo-Katan, who is like still very much calls herself a Mandalorian, but doesn't adhere to a lot of these things he's been told are the way. And mm-hmm. then Boba Fett, who's even further down that uh, that line of thinking where they're kind of almost going through opposite ends of the of the same system yeah, where Boba's exactly. the opposite end of the spectrum and he has the Mandalorian armor but he he's not really in Mandalorian culture in any significant way. Yeah, exactly. Like both Boba and Mando are trying to like deal with finding a new like coming to terms with like they're not who they used to be and like mm-hmm. nothing is it's not because something has changed in their environment. It's because, like, they've changed. So, like, Boba's come to terms with, like, he's learned something about, you know, what's important to him. And, they, like, Boba realizes that it's the clan. Like, the clan, Jesus. It's having a clan. Um, and Mando kind of realizes the same thing. So, so yeah, they're kind of going through the same thing for sure. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think Mando regrets it at all. It's the same with, like... That's why, like, I like I understand why some people didn't like Luke's portrayal in the sequel trilogy. I did like it because, um, and a lot of people complain about him, you know, turning dark for a second on Ben. But, yeah, character progression doesn't mean that you've fixed yourself for good or, like, that you never slip up. Like, for Luke, he slipped up and he was better than he might have been before. And kind of the same with Mando. He went back to his old ways, but pretty pretty quickly, you know, he realized that eh, it didn't not it's not really going to work out, and he just leaves. Yeah, like someone was going to ask him about his helmet sooner or later, and like that must have been mm-hmm. something that he considered. But yeah. he could have lied. Yeah, and then in that moment, it's like, is it worth the lie to me? Do I care more about my relationship with Grogu, or uh, am yeah. I going to? Just and do you even want up. to pretend like do you even want to pretend that you didn't like that's kind of yeah like it's like i would never pretend that like like if i was in some weird fucking cult where i don't hug my children like I, and, and i and they asked me do i hug my kid every night it's like you're doing a disservice to your relationship with your yeah. kid if you you know if, if you're minimizing it yeah like if he had said no to that question i could see argument for like oh he's backslid in some way that Mm -hmm. doesn't fit with what we saw already but the fact that he was trying to get back in i don't think is in any way a backslide that doesn't make sense with his character so it's like if kelsey broke up with me like i'm gonna spend the first year just getting drunk as fuck and playing video games (laughs) like because that that's what i know (laughs) and remember uh tune in tonight to the x2 podcast where i'm getting drunk yeah not playing video games though, so. Oh, that's true. Well, I'm sure we'll play Halo after or something. That's true. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, do do you think she intentionally was like tying the little Beskar chainmail thing to look like Rogu? I don't know. I don't. I don't necessarily think so. Um, She's not a balloon th- animal, Stan. No, I think that's kind of just Mando seeing what he wants to see. Like yeah. he's probably had it wrapped a million different ways. And he's probably been looking down at it every two seconds. And then when he's got the ears, he's like, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be really creepy if he showed up uh, at Boba Fett's castle and he'd like 
he'd added a body to it or something, so we had a stuffed Grogu. <laughs> that's when we yeah. start worrying about <laughs> what's going on with Mando. Yeah, that's there's gonna be some problems there. <laughs> um, one thing I I, I want to talk a bit about, kind of not backsliding, but there was a nice reminder of uh, Boba Fett's character in Episode Four. Um, because they do have to play kind of a, a careful balance between making these guys protagonists and making them heroes. Yeah. Um, and in episode four reminded us that, okay, Boba Fett's not necessarily a bad dude, but he's not Luke Skywalker because he guns down that whole speeder bike crew without any yeah. remorse whatsoever. And it's not portrayed as a, it's not like Anakin murdering the Tusken Raiders. It's like, fuck yeah, like... <laughs> he's you know like let's not forget he's still setting up a criminal empire they're not like out yeah. there doing like banthas for not, babies or something starting up the tattooing shriners like yeah. <laughs> but what, what are the new republic's priorities in the outer rim because we, we know the pikes are smuggling drugs through here mm. and so like we've established now that they have a presence in the outer rim and apparently it's just the same two guys who patrol a very large area of space yeah but uh, so that they don't do anything about the pikes, but they're they're really up on those speeding tickets. My theory is that Tatooine's not part of the New Republic yet, so they don't have jurisdiction on the planet. But they have an interest in like protecting interstellar travel, which is why the the pikes have to use the on planet uh, smuggling. Yeah. Then they just get everything. That's into why. The that's why they're on Tatooine. That's because... why they're using civilian transports to get through. I like it. Yeah, maybe. It's, and somebody also pointed out a really. Someone was also pointing out how did how did they know Mando got to the planet? Well, we do see in episode three that Boba Fett's got people watching the transports as well. Yeah, so that was a nice little detail that I completely missed. Yeah, the mods are supervising everything. Mm -hmm. They got their robot eyes on on everything. Yeah. Do you think Boba's gonna gonna or not Boba? Do you think uh, Din is gonna keep his hot rod? long term or is that uh, a temporary temporary ship yeah and i think it probably represents the fact that he's moving away from bounty hunting yeah um like he's got space for grogu back there and not much else <laughs> yeah like oh you can put your bounties back no one's he, no one's putting fucking bounties back there that's the perfect little baby yoda hideout don't <laughs> don't fucking lie to me pelly i'm on to you yeah uh, yeah exactly um that's his um mandalore now uh flying around zipping around the galaxy craft yeah I, I it's pretty cool though um i i really like that scene it was like and that's a scene that i could see people not liking because they put that was a long like grease style rebuilding the car <laughs> um, i loved it me too it was like 10 like it was legitimately 10 minutes long and like it, those 10 minutes didn't move the plot forward at all but it was just like Listen, this is a super creative show. Like, we've got all these cool droids. We've got all these, like, like things around the shop. Like, let's just, you know, let's make the episode 10 minutes longer and really take our time on this. And I thought that was a really good idea. Yeah. Like, my dad, uh, when I was really little, uh, I think he actually got it before I was born. But he rebuilt a Model A uh, mm -hmm. from, like, the 1920s. Yeah, I think you, I think you showed me a picture before. Yeah, maybe. and there I think I showed you the video as well of it coming home. I might oh have, yeah, because like the, my dad opens the door, like a beer can rolls out. <laughs> so that's what I was just picturing the whole time. What really takes me back? Driving? Well, it's on the back of a trailer. It was not in movable condition. Yeah, it's still 
Trailer Park Boys quote. Come on. Um, Look, the yeah, beer actually they, came out of the truck they were driving. I was trying to cover for him, but <laughs> yeah, it's like when Ricky got drunk and started plowing the roads. Yeah, but sounds like yeah, Ricky could have got drunk and started plowing a Java. <laughs> yeah, a little. little uh, never. Mind, I'm not going to say that. But uh, you think she was joking about that, or was she serious? No, she's definitely serious because the Jawa started hitting on her. So this is definitely a thing that happens. Like this isn't just coming out of nowhere. A little Jawa. I guess they're rat. Like, what's a rat's penis look like? Uh, I'm gonna ask Charlie later. I feel like he'd know that. I, I do. Jawas have rat penises. I guess that's. I guess you can't necessarily assume so. Have we seen mm. like canon under the under the hood Jawas? No. No, I think this was like the fir- the first reference to them. And there might have been a reference in from a certain point of view, but I think this is the first time in a fully canon source they've been yeah. described. Hmm. So well, yeah. someone will have to ask Pelly. They got that Joe Wussy under there. Who knows what's going on? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So did um, uh, has has Cobb Vanth already taken the armor, or did Boba just like blow it sky high? What do you mean? When uh, when they have the Slave One, they've got the the Sarlacc scene. Oh, because he was going sure to look for his armor. It shows the Jawas take the armor. Remember? Oh, right. When he escapes, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. My bad. So I I guess he just bought it from there. Um, but yeah, I wonder if the Jawas wear such huge robes because they just got massive members. <laughs> so maybe like, could you? Couldn't you wear pants? It's like, no, we can't. <laughs> We've tried. It chafes. <laughs> I was honestly, after uh, two episodes, or like at the end of the episode with the Mando music, I was like 90%, okay, it's Mando, who we kind of could assume was going to show up at some point. But I was like, maybe, is it going to be Cobb Vanth as well? Like, is that why they're mm. playing the, the Mando theme song? Because it was going to be a character from Mando, but maybe it's him too. Like, that would be cool. He had his uh, Timothy Olyphant had his his hair done, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him because he is like law enforcement. So like, I wouldn't be surprised to see him come in before the end of the show. Yeah, I hope he does. I hope we get we get more of him. He's great. Yeah, he's great. Um, also, speaking of the music, how sick was the uh, Mando Book of Boba Fett theme mix m- mix yeah. up? That was just like a plus plus. The music for all the, that got my, the new Star that got Wars my stuff is really juicy. good. Like mm-hmm, I went and rewatched sure. uh, like the the Fallen Order trailer, and that was really mm-hmm. good. And then uh, there was something else that had like a similar thing to the the throat singing from Fallen Order pretty recently because they they seem to have leaned pretty heavily in that in that direction with some of what they've been. Oh, doing. Oh yeah, that projects. was the wasn't the, the Eclipse trailer? Maybe did uh, no, it wasn't the Eclipse trailer, but mm. it was something else I was watching. I think it was for a video I was doing on the. The game mm-hmm. announcements, which I guess we should have mentioned off the top as well for Star Wars news. But, oh yeah, uh, Star Wars games coming. Yeah, three of them. <laughs> yeah, strategy game, not real time strategy, turn based probably. I've been following the um, the creator of it, or sorry, the founder of that studio, and yeah. he is talking a lot about how he's going to change people's opinions on XCOM style games. So like, he's really he's really showing his hand. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah well, so I know making one. <laughs> It's definitely going to be an XCOM style game. Changing um, people's opinions on it on like the gameplay or like what the limits of the genre are. 
Because, like, that could mean, like, is it going to be some sort of space-based thing even? Um, I believe the thing he responded to was somebody saying he they always found XCOM-style games boring before. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll see if I can find the tweet. I'm kind of thinking of, like, going of... and doing a playthrough of XCOM 2 with, like, some Star Wars armor. Uh, maybe we should do that. For, I don't know. If we could get the save to transfer, that could be a fun joint command. Well, I want to do, like, there was the thing that I mentioned before where we do not quite joint command, but, like, all three of us, me, you, and Charlie, yeah, have the character point. in the squad, and then the, the fourth mm-hmm. one who we just kind of use as fodder. But... Mm-hmm. Or we find a fourth friend, but no one wants to be friends with us for that long. Yeah, so. no, that's, I, that doesn't seem likely. But yeah, any any other thoughts on uh, on the episodes this week? Any thoughts about what's going to happen next week? Oh, I want to talk about the ring. How sick was that? Uh, I was. It wasn't that scary, but like, I, I guess I liked it when I was little. The ring was scary as fuck when you were little. What are you talking about? That no, movie didn't scare you? Not really. No, I thought it Man. was funny because she she just she moved funny. Yeah, that part was funny, but like the people's faces being all melted and the actual I just used to find the actual ring video itself really creepy. Yeah. I don't know. I used I used to scare the shit out of it. I think I I think I found the ring one funny, but then I found I was like scared by the ring two or something. It's weird. Hmm. The, the same movie, just worse. Maybe you're thinking of scary movie. No, I'm not thinking of scary movie. Uh sure? something related to scary movie came up recently. Did someone like die from it? Not die from scary movie, like someone who was in scary movie die. There's something like Dewey, mm. something with Dewey. Oh well, the Dewey Decimal System. Yeah, Decimal. I, I might have just been that I learned that I know what you did last summer was a was its own movie rather than that rather being mostly than, like uh, Scream. Scream. So yeah, I always thought like that came from from Scream. Yeah. So did I, actually. That's a weird one. That's like the weird Mandela effect thing. Yeah. And by Mandela effect, I mean people are ignorant about something, so they assume universes change rather than they just yeah. didn't look into it. <laughs> I don't know about Mandela. It must be because the universe changed, not because I don't know anything about people in Africa. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> Come on. Uh, But well, the ring world, I thought was... Uh, I was like, did I accidentally open the, the Halo trailer here? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I really liked it. We was really well done. We've had a v- too few unique environments or even urban mm-hmm. environments in a lot of these things. Like there hasn't been uh, any kind of Star Warsy urban environment in quite some time. I think the the closest we've got was Pantora in Bad Batch. So yeah. because I seen yeah, something more live was not bad. That. But um, yeah, the ring is actually really impressive. So I did a video today really breaking down how it works. And like, like I talked about this a bit on the Moss Espa stuff, but they must be using like AI to generate some of this because the amount of detail is incredible. Um, so like if you pause it, you can see like how much they've thought out, like how the, the ring works. Like even the scene where they're docking, you can see that the docking section has what looks like a big port authority. It's got, um, it's got like, like, uh, a building that leads to the big train yard. It's got uh, the train moving up the ring. It's got like pedways leading from the train. And then in the next scene, you can see up the ring, how far the train goes and how there are these little perpendicular train. It's just like the amount of detail is insane for what is ultimately like 
literally two shots. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if they're doing that just because they can. Somebody, um, somebody brought up that maybe the ring could appear in Andor, which I can totally see. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think with usually with those kinds of shots, with those kinds of setups, a lot of the, like you'll do the basic blocking out, but for a lot mm-hmm. of the detail adding, you're going to use, uh, an asset pool of greebles that you have and you're, you'd basically procedurally generate on top of your basic setup. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a lot of like a lot of those assets, even for really high end CGI, don't need to be that uh, that high detail. It's just very simple mm-hmm. shapes in the background with suitable materials, because then the way you render it is going to be uh, going to be setting up a lot of the the actual visual style. Because like there's stuff that you could even use assets transferred between Bad Batch and live action stuff, just changing how you have your shaders set up. Mm-hmm. So when you mm-hmm. have those kinds of asset pools, whatever degree to which you're doing uh, manual setup versus procedural, you're going to have those for almost any project. You do need to change some stuff, but I think like the the live action ghost was made from essentially up the uh, yeah, Rebels ghost. Yeah, a bunch of the ships were... Um... Yeah, and I think another thing too is like, it seems like they take the time to make these new technologies, knowing like that they'll get a lot of use out of it. Like, we talked that I think probably about that one scene in the Mandalorian with the water, where they pulled the razor crest out of the water. Yeah, and like there was that VFX channel that was breaking down. Like nobody else does water effects this good. Um, and then it looks like you can kind of see that pay off as soon as like even the bad batch. So I assume part of it is like they are willing to spend so much time on these shots, not only because it has like direct applicability to other, you know, things they work on, but also because they're creating like these systems that are just, yeah. you know, next level. Which I, I've always kind of wondered to what extent... Uh, like which direction that process flows almost. So is there, mm. is it more the director saying, oh, I want to do this shot. Is there some way we can make that work versus uh, ILM being uh, like, look at all this technology we've made and mm-hmm. these are tools that are now available to you, which then kind of reverses yeah. that a little bit. Yeah, I, that's a good question. I've got no idea. Because um, you're right, it, it could be the other way around. Um, because it could have been like they just happened to develop this new water system and they're like, let's throw this draw dropping shot into uh, the end of the Mandalorian that like probably only industry professionals are going to notice. But, yeah, you know, before long, you're gonna be able to do a lot of this without needing a set. I mean, you already can do a lot of it without needing a set, which is kind of crazy. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like it, I'm not saying it in uh, ILM is forcing them to do anything or like it's some way undermining no, no, the creative sure. process they have. But if you have a studio, like if you have basically the best visual effects people in the world working on those kinds of projects, they've got to know themselves. Like someday we're going to need something better mm-hmm. with water and maybe they're working on that persistently. And then they, when the directors are doing their, their planning sessions for the show, they have some sort of meaning with them and say like look at all these tools and then that kind of informs oh like if, if we have this available now i want to do an ice planet thing or i want to do uh, i want to do this these establishing shots with these cities or i want to use mm-hmm. the volume in this way now that that's available to me but mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, you're right. And I, I don't take it as, as a slight against the creative process at all, because if anything, like, we also talked about this with Mandalorian, as early as Mandalorian Season 1, I think this is kind of like the stuff George Lucas would have been most excited about, because he never saw using, like, computer-generated stuff as a cop-out. Yeah. He saw it, and he correctly saw it as, like, something that would revolutionize the industry, like, even Jar Jar Binks. So, like, ILM is doing all these all these things that I don't think anybody else is doing. I mean, I, I'm not super... I'm also not super um, familiar or, 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 or super well-versed on animation, but it doesn't seem like there are too many other companies doing stuff like this. Like, especially at the scale that they do it with these Star Wars TV shows where, like, they're pumping out this stuff, you know, multiple times a year. It's kind yeah. of insane. Yeah, and then people will still nitpick on, like, oh, well, this. why does this look like shit in 2022 or whatever? But, like, I, I'm always kind of annoyed at those comments more than a lot of other ones where it's like these are the this is where the technology is being introduced i don't know where they think they're going to get a better version of whatever it is they're complaining about and you, sometimes you see it with like the animated characters or maybe a specific shot with a ship and mm. like you sometimes you can point to oh well this one other specific shot in another specific movie has doesn't have that problem whatever the problem may be but then if you went to that movie you'd still be able to find plenty of other problems with cgi that you could go over and a lot of it kind of comes down to the toupee fallacy kind of thing where like mm -hmm. you think you notice all toupees because you notice the ones you notice yeah exactly but the same thing yeah goes with CGI. so common with cgi where it's like people don't even understand the degree to like like a really good example is is the avengers where like they don't have costumes yeah. Like they just don't they wear basically green suits and then but you would never ever notice that. Um and it's like it, especially with like the volume, like what they did even in Mandalorian season 1 with environments, it looks like it's filmed outdoors. Yeah. Um and that this is kind of the thing that gets me most excited. Um I, I forget who it was. It was one, somebody who worked on the Mando season 1 and is like they're doing things now that we dreamed of doing. Uh, it was after this after, after episode five. They're doing things now that we dreamed of doing in Mando season one. So like that gets me really excited, not only for what season three m might take us, because there was a really big jump in like scale from season one to season two. We saw that as early as the first episode with the um, with the crate dragon. They wouldn't have dared do something like that. I don't yeah. think in season one. Um, and like what they did with the ring in the in this episode was really incredible. Um, so like, who knows like what we're going to see, not only in season three, but like by the time the acolyte comes out, uh, by the time the next really big movie comes out. So that's, I think pretty exciting. Yeah. So definitely a lot to look forward to there. Uh, maybe we should get to some email questions now as we, oh, I, 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 one, one more thing. Sure. How do you think they did the beggars Canyon scene? Also, I never knew that was supposed to be beggars Canyon in episode one. Yeah, but they they flew through it again this no, time. No, no, I mean, you didn't, like, are you saying you didn't know that was supposed to be Beggar's yeah, Canyon? Yeah, I didn't know that was supposed yeah. to be a Beggar's Canyon. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I, I learned it until later, until, I think even with some, like, podcast, or not podcast, pod racing thing in a game somewhere, but... Yeah, yeah. like, I mean, I, I played through that one, but I don't, like, it, that's called the, uh, they just call it the Boonta Eve classic, and, yeah. like... Back in the day, and like on the N sixty four, Beggars Canyon and like Rogue Squadron, the video game was something different, and it was different in uh, Shadows of the Empire. So that kind of yeah. blew my mind, but also seemed kind of obvious. But yeah, how do you think they did that? Because I was wondering whether they like 
Because the original Beggar's Canyon was largely a, a a practical thing, I believe. So, uh, I don't think it would be that hard to reconstruct with uh, with CG, like especially if they still had the original prop and they could scan it. Which I wouldn't be surprised if they did. I was wondering whether they might have even used original footage. To be honest, <laughs> I think that would be a bit more difficult. Like maybe it's like maybe making a 3D model out of the the scanned mm-hmm. footage, but I think like using the footage itself would have been more difficult mm-hmm. than recreating something for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. I I have no idea. It's pretty. It's interesting though. And again, that kind of just. I think that's a really good illustration of like how well they're scaling up. Like when it comes to really convincing practical or not practical, really convincing special effects. Whereas like for one, I will say the pod racing scene is probably one of the most impressive pieces of like a visual effects for certainly the nineties, probably even like just generally, because it still holds up amazingly nowadays. But the fact that they can do something like that in, in the episode is pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, I, like even for stuff that may be a bit jankier at first, like uh, I, I kind of think of it like digital cameras in the early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s, where like mm-hmm. you have early, you have, especially for our generation, I think we're early in our childhood, there's pictures on film and then there's probably five to 10 years of our lives that are very blurry because you <laughs> go to like initial digital cameras Mm-hmm. And it kind of looks like shit, but you needed to get through that shitty period to get yeah. to what is now better than uh, a lot of options you had with film in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. The The clone troopers are probably the best example of that, I think. In episode two and even episode three, they look kind of shitty. <laughs> but just like part of that scale, but obviously like without without crawling or running or without crawling or walking you're not running now <laughs> yeah yeah uh yeah so do you want to get to the the emails now sure yeah or would you like to uh would you like to rank this in our book rankings nah nah okay but do you have the emails open i'm opening them now if you've got one open sure so our first email okay, came first a one. few episodes ago, I think, from Aaron, uh, who wants to know, for my question, if they ever put Ezra in live action, who will they cast and how will they turn him from uh, this being his more cartoon appearance into something that fits more with live action? Or will Disney take the easy way out and say he died off screen? No, he's not going to die off screen. Um, Definitely not. I think the actor they that's been kind of rumored to play him is a good choice. There have been a few. I mean, he's just uh, a dude. Rahul Corley? I think. Yeah. Or no, uh, wait, is, was that him? He's the one that gets like tweeted at about it the most. Even yeah, though he's, like, no, he's Mina, 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 Mina Masood. Um, he's he played Aladdin in the uh, twenty whatever Aladdin movie. Look him up. He, he's if you just look up Aladdin actor. Oh yeah, up. yeah, I watched that movie for some reason. But uh, yeah, that that could be good. Yeah, he he looks, you know, pretty good. Yeah, like. Sometimes it works really well when you got like Katie Sackoff or like if they ever make Starkiller, uh, much to Charlie's chagrin, it'll be a very easy choice on who to cast. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, 
Yeah, I, I think if you... Like, obviously Ezra has a very stylized look, but if you kind of go the opposite direction and look at how uh, Count Dooku looks in the Clone Wars, there's a pretty wide range of, like, what's still recognizable as the same character. Like, Christopher Lee doesn't look that much like <laughs> Clone Wars Count Dooku, who has a very tall head, his, like, 90% nose, which, like, is relatable for some of us, but... It's not. I don't think it's a an insurmountable challenge to get someone who looks roughly like Ezra, like close enough to be reasonable. You can even mm. recast live action people, and people get over it relatively quickly. So, yep. But thank yep. you, Aaron. Uh, we got another email from our good friend James. Uh, so we covered James. One of his. Pro- did you read this one, Corey? Uh, I yeah, I did. Um, I just it's just. I don't know if I want to read this whole thing because it is quite long. Um, in this email, I am called uh, Eric's Ladder, Aaron Eckhart's Ladder, Eck- Ekin's Letter, um, J Dog, and he says uh, our newer shows have gotten kind of greasy. Kind of want to shower after one of those. Totally get it. Um, yeah, I just I I really appreciate. I got a very good chuckle out of reading this email. Is there anything you want to mention? Uh, just that he closed off by saying, I started reading Book of Boba Fett after my man J-Dog made it sound so good in the last two episodes of the goddamn podcast, and it fucking sucks. Thanks a lot. You ruined stuff. <laughs> so I'm sorry you're not enjoying reading Book of Boba Fett, but hopefully that please, picks up for you. Please continue sending us these emails because they genuinely, like, they're, they're good humor. We might need to collect them and put them in a book somewhere. Um... All right, so next email's from Ian, who says, Howdy, Transmissioners. I like that. Transmissioneers, sorry. Uh, I was wondering what you'll think Palps wanted to happen during the events of Phantom Menace. I would think that it was all going to happen up to plan until the finale with the Jedi Order surviving Maul's assault. I'll say, this is mostly covered in Plagueis, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, he uh, didn't expect Maul side. to... D- yeah, he doesn't expect Maul to die, uh, from what I remember. Um, but I don't think he really cares that much either. Yeah, he wasn't, like, Maul wasn't his long-term plan, but I think he planned to have him around for a bit longer. Because he was planning to mm-hmm. kill Plagueis regardless, and then Maul would have been his apprentice. But yeah, that didn't work Temporary, out so well. until Anakin. He, the second he kind of gets his greasy mitts on Anakin, he, he kind of knows. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, so, great question, Ian. Our next question comes from Christopher, who asks... When it comes to your significant others, what are their opinions on Star Wars and how engaged are they in the franchise? Uh, that's a good question. So, Kelsey's not super into Star Wars. She really liked The Mandalorian, though. Um, and I think that's just because Grogu is such a... Yeah. You know, it, it's hard not to love him, I guess. Um, but yeah, she's not she's not super into it. My, yeah. my son is, though. My son really likes it. Hmm. He has to wear Star Wars pajamas or to read the Darth Vader book or whatever, so... Yeah, like Dana had never seen a Star Wars movie before we started dating, so we've watched episodes one through eight so far. We haven't watched episode nine yet, but uh, that, including all the other movies like uh, Rogue One, Solo, even parts of uh, the Holiday Special. So she's a, she's absorbed a lot of Star Wars knowledge through osmosis, and mm. I think she's actually really enjoying Rebels. We're watching that now, but uh, I. She does not like Grogu. She thinks Yoda and Grogu, by extension, are kind of gross. So, <laughs> it's... She Dumper. she kind of tolerates it. I gotta keep all the Star Wars stuff downstairs. Sometimes it'll mm-hmm. sneak upstairs for 
a little bit, but it's, she definitely seems stay. like a bigger fan than Kelsey. Like I don't think I could ever convince Kelsey to watch Rebels. <laughs> she also hates. She doesn't like animated stuff. So yeah. Uh, good question. Uh, that was Christopher. Christopher. Um, next up we have okay. Two pad stack. I'll just mention this briefly. He says also. I think that's a hockey reference. Very nice. I have a, found an official legend source that confirms Akbar and Winter's relationship, and we did actually talk about this previously. It's from the Essential Guide to Characters, and the quote is: "Akbar and the white-haired beauty would enjoy each other's company at a, a lot over the coming years, both in their tasks for building the New Republic and in private." Very good. We talked about that once, but very good find as well. Two stack, two pad stack, and I like your name. <laughs> Uh, next up, we have Luke, who says, I want to start off by saying that I love the podcast. Look forward to it every week. Thank you. My question is this. Do you think your episode five meant to imply that the Empire nuked Mandalore? Um, and he says, because of the mushroom clouds and the fact that there's only droids on the surface. What do you think of that, Corey? I don't know if it's meant to be nukes or if it's even implying that like proton bombs used on a planet's surface would be... Yeah. Or proton torpedoes would, would be... Uh, irradiated in some some way i didn't even i didn't even really think of the irradiation for the droids i honestly thought it was just meant to be a callback to the terminator um yeah i I don't think they're necessarily nukes i i think for one an explosion of sufficient size can cause a mushroom cloud regardless of whether it's a nuke or not yeah um i think they're they're just meant to be proton bombs yeah and Um, it's safer to have if you're going to be carpet bombing droids are going to be able to withstand whatever secondary effects better than humans and if they they got destroyed no one would have cared as much i don't think the empire is going to care too much about what happens with their stormtroopers either but yeah (laughs) this would have been Uh, slightly earlier in the empire when they still had to pretend a little bit mm -hmm. okay so we've got justin sent us a few questions i'll just pick out a couple uh first do you think the uh, the empire emperor jesus do you think boba fett is going to ride the rancor into battle with the pikes uh or going to ride to places in most Espa and you wanted me to ride the litter type of thing. So is he going to use the Rancor in battle or is it going to be like a status thing? And he's also wondering, um, do you think we're going to see Grogu in the little backseat of Din's N1 in the Mandalorian Season 3? And what do you think he'll name the ship? So I think he's probably going to take it into battle, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I could see him like riding it up to either the Pikes or the Crime Bosses next, but he's already kind of made the point with the Rancor with the mm-hmm. Crime Bosses. Yeah, with, that's uh, a, that's with a the really dinner. So yep. uh, he's definitely he's definitely riding it somewhere. Like, I, mm-hmm. I think that's beyond question. Mm-hmm. But uh, I I'm not sure what he'd name it because I was kind of well, the Razor's Crest seems to be a ship type now rather than a ship name. Yeah, I don't think he is going to name it. Yeah. I don't think he's that sentimental about his ships, to be honest. No. He seems more in love with Razor Crest utility than in its specific mm. ship. It's spacious refresher. Yeah. And yeah, that's something Joel's? that his ship here doesn't have, is there's yeah. no bathroom. What's he going to do? Is he going to get a hotel everywhere? We read a lot in Legends about how awful it is for Luke to travel in his X-Wing, and he even has the Jedi, uh, the Jedi trances, and he's still just not having a good time yeah you gotta find parking you gotta find accommodations having a starfighter versus having a gunship or a freighter mm-hmm. much worse yep but uh but yeah next from joel who says well i have been enjoying book of boba fett and mandalorian i'm sort of ready to see what shows outside of the felonian favreau spear of influence will be like i enjoy their work i do think it's what i call standard star wars and when you see something that's a bit different with say the likes of tony gilroy's Andor and leslie hadland's acolyte 
I'm even a little bit curious to see what Kenobi will bring, given that I think it will uh, feel the most like a movie divided into parts. Uh, so, yeah, what do you think about the... Thank you, Joel. What do you think about the different styles we've got coming up? Mm. Are you feeling oversaturated with the Filoni Favreau stuff so far? I don't, not yet. But you you can definitely feel the the one creative hand. But um, but no, I, like, I so far it's only been two shows. I mean, if, if every show was like this, then yeah, that could probably be a bit much because not only you're getting the good parts, but also you know the common issues. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be a problem because of kind of like Joel said. I think Kenobi's not going to feel like the Mandalorian. Yeah. Um, and and I think Andor will probably kind of feel like its own thing as well. Yeah, uh, more of a yeah. traditional spy movie. That one I think Dana is actually looking forward to a fair bit because she likes like spy stuff. So I think she'll like Andor. Mm-hmm. But we've also yeah. got uh, Rogue Squadron coming out in a while, maybe. Uh, which actually yeah, leads I mean, us to our next question from Javier, oh, who nice. says, "Would you guys rather have a full-on war movie for Rogue Squadron with whatever conflict taking center stage?" and focus on the team dynamic as they do their best to survive the conflict, or more adventure-based movie with the team doing missions across the galaxy. Personally, I hope for more of a full war movie, and I want Patty Jenkins to put the war in the Star Wars that really hasn't been seen since Rogue One. Yeah, I want to see space battles, so I'd yeah. rather a war. Like, I want to see capital ships and stuff. Yeah, I think this uh, it'd be a good opportunity for like a, another war movie-style thing with a Starfighter Squadron. Mm-hmm. Doing like some adventure elements kind of in the way that the X-Wing books had it, where you were going to some different environments, interacting with some different groups, but primarily still focusing on executing these starfighter missions and growing as whatever unit they are. Maybe have Wedge in there as a gristled old general whose best friend is being uh, cuckolded by a fish. (laughs) Yeah, um, that was actually kind of one of my issues with Alphabet Squadron. I was hoping for more because that ended up, I think, maybe less so in the third book, but that ended up turning into more of an adventure story. Even though it was war, I guess the scale never got to what I was hoping for. Um, so yeah, I, I would definitely want to see big battles and stuff, and I'd like them to be kind of kind of in one for most of the, the movie. Yeah, and if we don't get enough of N1s in Book of Boba Fett, then we'll get it there. I said in one, as in... Oh, okay. As in they're, they're in, like you're in one, like... You get really drunk, you tell your buddy you're in one right now. <laughs> I've never said that phrase in my life, but maybe yeah. tonight, because after this podcast, we are going to be going and doing the X2 podcast 15 minutes from now over on youtube.com slash ECKS2. Until then, remember, read your specters of the past for next weekend. Thank you for watching, and may... Bye, everybody. The Force.